The Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. The socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water, what it means is that government controls it through rules and regulations. The latest in politics and world affairs. Under this guise of bipartisanship and nonpartisanship, it's actually tapping down the truth. Today's current opinions and ideas. On an equal field in the battle of ideas, mistruths and misconceptions is getting us into a world of hurt. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome to the Kim Munson Show. No, the voice you hear is not Kim changing. It's Bradley Beck. She's out traveling, and uh, she gave me a call and said, Brad, would you take over and host for me today on Monday, December the 11th, 2023, and I'm honored to do so. I'm a husband, father, grandfather. My grandkids call me Grandbrad, and I'm fortunate to have uh, three granddaughters. And I'm a small businessman and uh, co-hosted this program many times before, but it's always uh, a little different when you get to sit in the main chair that Kim sits. And I just want to say thank you to all of the listeners for being with us. Each of you are valued, you're treasured. Today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, your body. My friends, you were made for this moment, and it's an exciting time to be in America, and I'm so glad to be here with Producer Joe, who, a uh, little inside baseball, I, I got the honor of doing this uh, about a month ago, and we had some phone interviews all set up, and Joe does a great job, and gosh darn it, the Grinch of technology got into the building and took down the phone lines, and Joe kept me on the, the straight and narrow, so thanks for uh, letting me, holding my hand through that terrifying moment. You did a great job. How are you, Joe? I'm doing fantastic, Owen. It was my pleasure, and we'll do it again this time, awesome. too. <laughs> it, it's always fun to look at the other side of the glass, and I don't know who had more fear in their eyes for the first 30 seconds or so. <laughs> it was me or Joe trying to figure out what the heck is going on, but it was great. We got through it, and I uh, even heard the podcast, and it came out uh, pretty good. So thank you for that, Joe. It was my pleasure. And I uh, couldn't do this program without all the other team members Kim works with who keeps the program on track and the great Crawford Broadcasting for allowing us to do this. And uh, today I am ex- really excited because I'm going to be calling this the, the Mentor Show. I have two mentors of mine who will be on the program. One of them will be the great Jeffrey Gittimer coming in on the fourth segment. He's known as the king of sales. He's written over 17-plus books. And in my opinion, he is the world-class expert on sales and sales training. And we'll focus on one of his recent articles on his sales caffeine, which is uh, appropriate this time of year. Don't just thank Remember the lessons and stories and how you can implement it. This is an important article as we gather with friends and family during Christmas and Hanukkah and the New Year season. And uh, then we'll also be talking about one of my favorite books that everybody and anybody can read and, and really implement. And that's his little gold book of Yes Attitude. And we need more Yes Attitude. And Jeffrey will be calling in, like I said, in the third and fourth segment. But in studio with me is the distinguished and articulate Dave Walden, who's a friend of mine. And uh, Dave's my other mentor that uh, we gather from uh, time to time with adult beverages and cigars and solve the world problem. So, Dave, how are you? Brad, I'm fine. I couldn't be more pleased to be here. And I want to start out by thanking you for asking me and 
A shout-out to all our listeners in Houston, Texas, especially my brother-in-law, Mark Van Dyke. So I hope you guys are listening and enjoy the next hour or two. Well, uh, good to hear from from Houston. Uh, It's an incredible city if you've been down there lately. I love Houston because it is not rule-oriented. It's free market-oriented, and the people down there are wonderful, and it has just grown into a marvelous world-class city. I always enjoy my visits to Texas. And in it, Texas, everything's bigger, isn't it? <laughs> it's not only bigger, but when you cross the border, there's just a vibrancy that you begin to feel. That I don't know what it is, but it's just something in Texas. Uh, I'm always reminded of the sign on I-10 when you're crossing from Louisiana into Texas, and it proudly, boastfully proclaims, 863 miles to El Paso. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a long drive. I've that taken it before. <laughs> well, welcome uh, to everybody there, and we're just so glad to have you here. And, uh, you know, when we first met, it was during the campaign season, gosh, back in 2008, nine, probably nine. And you were working on a campaign. I was working on a campaign. And we would see each other from time to time and get to know each other. And eventually you joined Liberty Toastmasters and became an incredible speaker. You always had great stories and, and you made a point. But you always uh, brought a certain element of, of uh, character that uh, people recognize. And we, we've had a chance to get to know each other better. We have. And I, and I really... My experience at Toastmasters turned me into that speaker you just described because when I got there, I could speak in front of a group, but I was terrified, <laughs> um, and I, no, I am no longer terrified. And one more thing that I'll point out as a distinction, uh, the big distinction between your candidate and mine in that time is yours won and mine did not <laughs> so anyway but i'll just tell you mine is now living in texas that's right <laughs> exactly shout out to steve and uh that was an amazing campaign because we switched the state of colorado by one seat and what was fabulous about that is our current uh, lieutenant governor was the one who we got out of office so uh, don beasley did a great job as uh, as you did and many of us did working hard to to do that so uh, in the second hour i'm looking forward to having a deeper conversation with dave and talk about mentoring and toastmasters and some other topics so looking forward to that but first let me just uh, recognize kim's website it's kim monson m-o-n-s-o-n dot com sign up for her weekly email newsletter you'll get the first look at kim's upcoming guest as well as the most recent essays and you can always email kim at kim monson m-o-n-s-o-n again KimMonson.com. And thank you to the Harris family for their gold sponsorship of the show. And thank you to the National Shooting Sports Foundation. That's a mouthful to say. Great organization. They also are a gold sponsorship of the show. And especially thank you to Hooters Restaurants for their sponsorship. They have five locations, Loveland, Aurora, Lone Tree, Westminster, and Colorado Springs, They have great lunch specials Monday through Friday. You can dine in or take out. And Wednesdays is Wings to Go Day, so we should do that, Dave, and have a beverage and some wings. And you can buy 20 on Wednesday and get an additional 10 for free, and that's offer for dine-in or to go. And it's just a great place to get together with friends, watch your favorite sports team, 
have a tasty beverage or just enjoy life. So uh, go on Kim's website. She has a wonderful story about Hooters and how uh, when she was on city council, there was a pretty contentious uh, debate on whether or not to let a business set up in her community. And she fought for them. And uh, it's a beautiful story of freedom versus force force versus freedom if something's a good idea you shouldn't have to force people to accept it Uh, i always like to follow in kim's footsteps and and have a word of the day and so i chose because we're having jeffrey gittimer attitude which is a noun and it's a manner of thinking feeling or behaving that reflects a state of mind or disposition it also can be a position of your body or manner of carrying oneself and used in a sentence Quote, it's your thoughts behind your words you speak that create your attitude. End of quote. That's from Jeffrey Gittimer. And then our quote of the day is from Jeffrey as well. I figured I'd get two for one since he's going to be with us in a little bit. Jeffrey was born in uh, Florida, West Palm Beach, February 11th, 1946. He grew up, though, in Philadelphia and New Jersey, and he sold in New York City, and he did it successfully. He's an American salesperson, author, speaker, and he writes and lectures about customer loyalty and personal development. He's written over 17-plus books, and his most successful title most people know him about from is The Little Red Book of Selling. It sold over more, 5 million copies and wow. has been translated into 14 languages, so quite an accomplishment. And he also publishes a weekly uh, sales caffeine, a multimedia e-zine online magazine. He has a podcast I listen to called sell or die when you're in sales you either sell or you die especially if you're on commission he's a frequent speaker on uh, public and corporate seminars and he's ranked in the top one percent as a non-celebrity speaker by the national speakers association so as a toastmaster you're familiar with that and well uh, not as much as you but yes (laughs) i am Uh, you know brad you mentioned attitude i learned this later in life i wished i'd have learned it sooner but i didn't But once I did, I took advantage of it, and that's this. You can't always control what you encounter in life, but you can always control your reaction to it. Absolutely. And that's what attitude is all about. Well, let me just share a quote with you that he said. He said, you know, people who are cocky and arrogant say, quote, I know that, end of quote, and they move along. People who are confident and positive ask themselves, How good am I at that? They seek to improve. And talking about improving, we always improve ourselves with somebody like Roger Mangan. So I switched my insurance to the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Agency. Get this. I actually talked to Roger Mangan, who has been helping people with their insurance coverage in our community for 47 years. He helped me create a State Farm personalized price insurance plan for my home and auto and explained affordable options. For personalized service and peace of mind that you are working with a team that cares about you and your family, call Roger Mangan now at 303-795-8855. Kim highly recommends the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Team. Again, that number is 303-795-8855. Focused and wise marketing is essential for your success, especially during tough economic times. If you love the Kim Munson Show, strive for excellence and understand the importance of engaging in the battle of ideas that is raging in America. Then talk with Kim about partnership, sponsorship opportunities. Email Kim at KimMunson.com. 
Kim focuses on creating relationships with individuals and businesses that are tops in their fields. So they are the trusted experts listeners turn to when looking for products or services. Kim personally endorses each of her sponsors. Again, reach out to Kim at KimMunson.com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show, and we're so glad you're here. This is Bradley Beck filling in for Kim Munson, who's traveling. And uh, before we get into some more meat of the program, I always like to talk about the uh, work that Kim does with veterans. She's honored to highlight the USMC Memorial Foundation and all that they're doing to raise money to remodel the official USMC Memorial, which is located right here in Golden, Colorado, at 6 and Colfax. Paula Saros, who have had the great pleasure of meeting, is the president of the foundation. She's a Marine veteran, a Gold Star wife, and Paula and her team are working diligently to bring the remodel of that new USMC memorial to life. So you can contribute and be a member of that organization as well by going to usmcmemorialfoundation.org and contributing. And something else that you should be uh, putting on your bucket list, Dave, is visit the Center for American Values located on the beautiful Riverwalk in Pueblo, Colorado. The Center for American Values was co-founded by Medal of Honor recipient Drew Dix and Emmy Award-winning documentarian uh, maker. His name is Brad Padula. And the center is focused on honoring our Medal of Honor recipients and teaching the upcoming principles of America, which are honor, integrity, and patriotism. And for more information, you can check them out. And their website is AmericanValueCenter.org. And as Kim always said, there's four Medal of Honor winners here in Colorado, and we salute them all. But we also salute all our veterans out there and all the folks that uh, have protected our great country for, for many, many years. And uh, what I'd also like to talk about in this day in history, Dave, because there's so much that has happened in this country and around the world. But did you know today on the 11th, the Pilgrims landed at Plymouth Bay in 1620, the famous or infamous Plymouth Rock? Uh, that happened uh, may have may not be at that actual spot, but the idea that they landed in Massachusetts and started the colony. And then in 1862, the Battle of Fredericksburg in Virginia. And if you ever have a chance to go there and see that incredible battlefield with uh, where Robert E. Lee's Confederate Army of Northern Virginia and the Union Army of the Potomac commanded by General Ambrose Burnside fought. It's an incredible place, and just the history there is palatable. Um, 1909, moving pictures in color were demonstrated in Madison Square Garden. Can you imagine? It wasn't that long ago. And uh, if you're a baseball fan like me, two things for baseball. Ford C. Frick, he became president of the Baseball's National League. But also in 1934, the National League voted to permit night baseball. Can you imagine that? They didn't have night baseball in 1934 till the lights came on, and they only were allowed seven games per home team to play at night. Wow, that's fascinating. It is. Uh, history just blows me it away. Is. I love history myself. Now, in your recounting of what took place uh, on this day, I was struck by the fact that 
the pilgrims arrived just in time to miss Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They they did miss Thanksgiving, but they, they made up for it because we uh, celebrate that here every year in uh, November, and it's a wonderful time to get together with family and friends. And did you know, Dave, and this is personal to you, in 1971, the Libertarian Party of the United States was formed. I did know that, and I, and I want to add to the fact that I was one of the original members of that party in Atlanta at that time. Um, we, were, we were all fresh from uh, uh, publishing of Atlas Shrugged in 57, and the, uh, one of the offshoots of that uh, was an interest in libertarianism that hadn't occurred for a while. And so uh, we thought for sure that the culture would change and be changed shortly. And, of course, that did not happen for a number of reasons. But it's happening now. Yeah, exactly. And every Christmas I love receiving your little letter by Harry Brown to his daughter about Christmas. It's a fabulous thing that folks can look up on the Internet. I just sent that out. It's on my uh, Substack website. Uh, I call it On Being Human. And I sent that out again this year. And uh, I would recommend everyone who has children or grandchildren to read uh, Harry Brown's precious gift to his daughter, uh, December 25th, 1966. It's a great, great, just a wonderful reminder of the holiday spirit. Yes. Nobody owes you anything. Nobody owes you anything. It's amazing. So, Dave, let's uh, get over to here to the headlines. And there's some things here happening locally that I think are important to talk about because so much we, so often we focus on all the big national and international stories. But we just had an election here, and uh, the defeat of Prop HH just reiterates that we're not a red or not a blue state, but we're a purple state. We're we're very independent-minded still. And uh, I think it's about changing the culture rather than the parties. But there was a editorial in the Denver Gazette cutting Colorado's surplus revenue by the editorial board. And they have a great idea here of, of Colorado can function just fine with all the new construction, the new businesses that are coming into our state. They're exiting other places and coming here and building. And we still have lots of cranes downtown and around the city. But we, we take in a lot of money, and our taxpayer bill of rights says that if they make a certain amount of money and over that amount of, with plus inflation, the taxpayers get money back. And Prop HH was an attempt to uh, cut around and, and destroy the Tabor that we all enjoy because it really protects us from being California. And so uh, I think it's an important editorial to, to, to be aware of. Well... The issue to me always comes down to an awareness of what taxes are and the definition of what a tax is. And a tax is a burden. Uh, it's something that you must overcome and pay in order to do whatever it is you want to do. Um, with your labor, uh, with your property, it doesn't matter what it is. Um, the idea of taxing one's labor means you simply have to work harder and longer to do what it is you get paid to do. So I'm always in favor of lowering taxes, and Proposition HH attacked one of the 
but the most revered pieces of legislation, not only in Colorado, but it's known uh, in a number of different states, uh, and that's Tabor, where the politicians were constrained in being able to continue to spend whatever excess tax money they, they took in, uh, and, and they had to return it to the voters, to those who paid it, to those who overcame the burden of taxation. And, of course, HH was a, an end run around it that the voters saw through and, frankly, rejected it. And, you know, that's interesting because this article talks about our local Denver-based Independence Institute, Sean Caldera and the folks, and they had a great team that really brought out a lot of information. But they're saying, you know, why go through that rigmarole again, and why not just cut the taxes from the get-go and not have that rebate? And I think it's a great idea. You know, we can go from our 4.55 or 4.40 down to about 3.81 in those taxes, and it won't harm any of the programs that Colorado has. And, of course, you'll have the, the usual suspects or uh, our representatives screaming and yellow, yelling down at the Capitol. But Tabor is really there to say to our representatives, work within the budget, just like every citizen has to. Sometime in the next uh, segments, when, when uh, you're not, we're not awaiting on Jeffrey, um, I'll go into a little bit about where these programs that need taxes to fund originate, where they come from, why they appear suddenly as something that government is financing, for which a tax on our labor or a tax on our property must be levied. Well, it's interesting you talk about property taxes, and our mutual friend Ari Armstrong has a recent article about let's eliminate property taxes in Colorado. I'm in favor of that as well because uh, production precedes consumption, and when you produce, when you tax something that is produced, you get the wrong incentive. And I believe that uh, Ari's got something here. Uh, it's an interesting article. There's some things I disagree with in it, but it at least brings up the idea that we have what over 3,000 taxing districts in Colorado. There's metro districts. There's library districts or school districts, and many of them we need. Uh, to function, but I could make a free market case that we need less of them all day long. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I, I'm only. I'm always thankful that somewhere back in our history, the government didn't determine that that shoes were a necessity, and we needed to tax everyone so that we could provide everyone with shoes. Uh, the absence of that has led to the most remarkable evolution in footwear I can even imagine. <laughs> but anyway, that's, I'm getting off off the subject. Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, most ladies like shoes, including my wife, and, and I've always had a black pair and a brown pair, and I thought I could get through, but somehow I just haven't figured out I need more colors, according to uh, <laughs> my wife. But uh, it's uh, it's great that the free market allows us to have that variety. Your wife is indeed colorful. She is. She is. And I'm lucky to have her. I'm married up. Uh, another boy point of uh, the, the current affairs that just happened, uh, David, is uh, the University of Pennsylvania, the, uh, MIT, and Harvard University had their university presidents talk in Congress and talk about especially what's been going on in college campuses is so-called free speech 
but the uh, elimination of a whole group of people simply because they won't make the determination that uh, genocide is not acceptable conversation. And uh, so the president, Elizabeth uh, Magill of uh, University of Pennsylvania, resigned after much pressure. And it's an interesting uh, concept in that she's not being let go completely. She'll still be able to teach. But just getting rid of her doesn't get rid of the problem. It's more systemic that there is a problem with our universities, what they teach, how they teach, and the people that uh, protest, most of them, I would recommend or say that they don't know what they're protesting about. They, uh, they certainly do not. They, uh, like I was when I was young, uh, they think they know everything. <laughs> and, uh, of course, they, they find out as life, uh, they encounter life, they don't know as much as they thought they knew, just as that happened to me. Um, my only comment on that, Brad, is um, those, the testimony of those three ought to be seen as a wake-up call. The people that contribute to universities and sustain them. Uh, what's going on, that what's been going on for decades, that those three uh, leaders uh, projected to anyone who listened to those hearings, uh, the only way it's going to stop is if uh, people stop sending their children to these schools and stop sending the money. Uh, then it will come to a halt. Until that time, uh, these are just symptoms of a much more grave and larger problem. Always. And, you know, what's interesting, when I was young and naive and thought I knew it all as well, you would protest and then you would say, what the heck did we just do? You never knew. You went along with your friends or your buddies that come on. And But this is different this time. And I think if it was any other social economic group out there, uh, a different color, different race, different religion, people would be up in arms. But for some reason, uh, because of the, quote, Zionist movement, which is really the anti-Jewish movement uh, in this country at universities, it's, uh, it's really concerning for those students that attend those universities. So uh, more to talk about, lots to talk about. But uh, before we do and come back, I'd like to uh, share with you that there is some great information that you can get from Karen Levine and uh, Lauren Levy. With the limited number of homes in the Colorado Front Range market, Karen Levine can help you achieve your home buying or selling vision. Karen has the right connections, technology, and strategies to help you buy or sell your home or to purchase a new build. Whether you're feeling overwhelmed or want someone to take the wheel, or you just need a second opinion, you can rest assured that REMAX Realtor Karen Levine is the right agent for you. Call Karen Levine at 303 877 7516. Karen is the trusted professional who strives for excellence. That number is 303-877-7516. Boson Law is a local law firm dedicated to helping injured individuals in Denver and the surrounding areas fight for the justice they deserve. Boson Law focuses on personalized representation tailored to your unique situation with one-on-one -on -one attention and counsel and consistent communication. Boson Law personal injury attorneys have extensive trial experience and have successfully represented clients against the interests of powerful corporations, manufacturers, insurance companies, and government agencies. Contact Boson Law at 303-999-9999 for a complimentary in-person consultation. Again, that number is 303-999-9999. 
Call now at 303-999-9999. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. This is Bradley Beck, a husband, father, grandfather, known as Grand Brad to my granddaughters and uh, small businessman here in Colorado. I'm so happy to be with. I'm filling in for Kim Munson, who's away traveling. And I just want to remind you before we get into our next segment with the great Jeffrey Gittimer to sign up for our weekly email newsletter. You'll get the first look at all the upcoming guests, as well as Kim's recent essays. And you can email Kim at Kim at Kim Munson, M-O-N, son.com and thank you for contributing to the support of our independent voice and exercising our freedom of speech freedom versus force force versus freedom so for many years i've had the opportunity to uh, interact with a gentleman who's on the line with us jeffrey gittimer who's the ceo and the uh, founder of buy gittimer he's known as the king of sales and the author of 17 plus books He's written on sales training, customer loyalty, and to have a yes attitude. And Jeffrey, he is well known by the Little Red Book of Selling. And he has been traveling around the United States for many years talking about attitude. And we're very fortunate to have Jeffrey Gittimer, the great Gittimer, on the line with us. Jeffrey, good morning. Good morning, Brad. Uh, You're very fortunate, I've got to tell you. (laughs) <laughs> to know you is and you know i got a chance to meet you originally jeffrey many times here in denver when you spoke to uh, mm-hmm. many crowds in in the chamber of commerce but i remember the third time i met you you came here i was looking for a cup of coffee with a buddy and we were going outside and you pulled up in a cab and you said hey fellas what are you here for and we said you and you said well come on inside we'll go look for a cup of coffee and uh, they weren't set up quite yet, but you asked us to sit and bring people in and sign them into your seminar. We did that, my buddy and I, and you came back about, uh, I don't know, five minutes later, gave us a cup of coffee, a, a bagel, and then you uh, you probably just right before we had a chance to see you live, you had two seats right in the front, and your uh, person said to us, pick out whatever you want on the table. And uh, I thought, boy, that was amazing that you would give us your books and your your stuff. And uh, I've been paying for it ever since. But I always remember that. And I've told that story many, many times to people. Cool. Yes. That makes me happy. I, I'm, uh, I find that the more I give away, the more the world pays me back. And that's a message for anybody listening this morning. Don't measure. Just give. Absolutely. Because when you do, you know, Brad, I've never said, hey, you owe me one. No. Ever. No. Nor will, I, nor will I ever say that. Because I know that the world is out there and it's looking at me and it's looking for me and it's looking out for me and it will take care of me no matter what. I, have, I, I like to tell people that I have an ever-present, comma, extremely expensive, comma, guardian angel (laughs) you do and and you did something that was beautiful and benevolent and that was during the whole lockdown that we all experienced you got on to facebook and uh youtube 
and did this 959 that to me for about a year and a half was an incredible opportunity that people could experience for 10, 15, 20 minutes. And Jeffrey, yep. one of the things that you provided for people during that time who couldn't work or weren't allowed to go into work or see family or friends for that duration was you gave hope. Yeah, I think it's important. You know, I I started it on a whim because they said it's going to take two weeks for everything to settle back down. So I thought, no, you know, two weeks, no big deal. I'll go on, I'll go on live every day. I actually went on a, on a, a program called StreamYard, which will allow me to merge all of my social media platforms into one. So I could be on LinkedIn, Facebook, you know, everything at one time. And um, I thought, well, two weeks, no big deal. That ended up being two years. And I did it every day without fail, literally for a little bit more, a couple of days more than two years. Unbelievable. It was. It was absolutely. And I met a ton of people from around the world, uh, people from Japan and Norway and Sweden and all virtually. And we became friends. We still stay in contact. And in fact, my mastermind grew out of uh, that experience with the fellows here in Colorado with Joe and and Rick and uh, Lewis. It's crazy, isn't it? It really is. It's amazing that we were told to be socially distanced, which we didn't want to do, and we weren't. But we were physically distanced, and yet I have some great relationships and friendships. And it really reminded me of the idea that friendships and relationships are paramount. Yeah, I am. Um, I just I started my morning this morning at uh, 6 a.m., with a phone call to the founder of Augment.org. Uh, it's a French-based company that does an online MBA program. And that's an outreach of all the things that have happened over the course of the past two years. They started this program of founders of companies only. So if you go to an MBA school, for example, Harvard or, you know, I don't want to mention Harvard because I think they're... It's probably not top 10 school right now. But the professors who teach an MBA program, half of them have have never had a job. You know, turn to chapter one is not what I want to hear if I'm paying 50 grand a year. (laughs) Right. So this this company is only founders. And the augment.org. And what I found out is that we're looking more now for online training than ever. And that's a result of the pandemic. People are are now so used to being online that it's like second nature. It's on your phone, it's on your laptop, and it doesn't necessarily have to be face-to-face anymore. Right, right. Well, one of the things we were planning on doing uh, with your insider group, which I'm a fortunate member of, we meet virtually once a month and we talk about ideas and issues. And we were supposed Mm -hmm. to gather in Charlotte, and then the lockdowns happened. And uh, almost a year later, we finally got a chance to go to Charlotte. And what was really amazing to me is you opened up your library to a few of us, and we uh, came in a day early. And I've got to see your library, where you're inspired, one of the many places you're inspired, and look at your library on business and history and science and every subject you could imagine. But I think the special part, and I have in studio with me my friend Dave Walden, who's another mentor of mine. And uh, Dave and I have both read uh, 
Ayn Rand extensively, but you have a first edition signed copy of the Fountainhead, and you let me open it up and, and hold it and <laughs> and experience that. So, uh, oh yeah, it's, actually, I probably bought the book twenty years ago um, for a couple thousand bucks, but you can't buy it now for twenty five thousand. Cannot. No, no, not at all. And uh, it's inspirational when you when you read a signed book. It's absolutely electric. It's hard to explain, but it is what it is. Signed books and first edition books. So if I'm reading Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, I'm going to read the first edition because I know that it'll have errors, it'll have, you know, whatever, but it will also be authentic. And right. it, oftentimes a reprint loses its gender, loses all the the the... You know, there were no women in business in 1937, so he predominantly referred to people in the mail, and some people would now be offended by that, and sorry to hear that. Yeah. I, I do want to tell you, though, I'm inspired in my library every day, but I'm also equally inspired eating breakfast in Paris. That's true. I've heard those so, stories. <laughs> understand, understand that if you're looking for inspiration, look to the things that you love, and inspiration will automatically occur. Yeah, and to that point, I love reading your sales easing. And recently, you just wrote one that uh, is applicable to this holiday season, which mm -hmm. is don't just thank, remember the lessons and stories. And you write beautifully here about gathering with family and friends and asking about those stories growing up, which we all say and we all repeat, but people usually let them go by. And you're giving a suggestion to folks who read your easing is capture them use them they're unique but tell those stories and make a point whether you're in building relationships or in building business eventually those people pass and life i know this is going to come as a surprise to everyone listening but life doesn't last forever even though at this moment you think it will and my challenge to you is what i give to people who have just experienced the loss of a relative capture the positive stories immediately and if your mom or dad has not passed or your aunt or your uncle who you really love have not passed, talk to them. Record their stuff. They have wisdom. And that wisdom is from experience and from circumstances that happen in their life that will help mold yours. Yes. And they also transfer an emotion that you can use in telling a story, but you got to have a point to that story. Just telling a story yeah, itself exactly. is, is, you know, you can do that and up one with each other as you talk to your friends and, and your family. But if it has enthusiasm and it has passion, you can use it in your your day-to-day -day life to make a point. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. And I think even more important than that, the story presents a lesson that you are not allowed to forget. And most people go, oh, yeah, I remember that. You, you, when you write it down and you read it some casual morning, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in my chair right now where I sit for an hour every day. Now, I, I did my first interview this morning at 6 a.m., but I've still given myself an hour of time where I read, I write, I prepare, and that causes me to think and create. And those five things, if you do them every day, are going to win for you in your life, I promise. Absolutely. And and turn off the TV, turn off the 
all the noise oh, yeah. no and, distractions yeah. no distractions start the morning positive your day will transfer into a positive day and uh, you'll have the success that you're looking for but you've got to dedicate yourself to it as we're talking on the phone right now my phone has already dinged four times <laughs> it's, your phone dings more than it rings yes that's true that's true well jeffrey you always wear <clears throat> that fabulous capitalism shirt that red yeah. looks like Coca-Cola. And I want to uh, come back and talk about that and why you're one of the few who really in business influences people and publicly states that capitalism is the only moral system that recognizes the rights of the individual. Yep. So we'll be right back. If you are 62 or older, a reverse mortgage could be a great tool regarding retirement and estate planning. It is essential to understand the process. Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial Group has nearly 20 years in the mortgage industry and has the experience to answer your questions. Lauren understands that each financial transaction is personal. If you'd like to explore your options on a reverse mortgage, remodel your home, buy a rental property, or move, Call Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Licensed in 49 states, Kim Monson highly recommends Lauren Levy for all your mortgage needs. Call Lauren at 303-880-8881. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Monson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmonson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Franktown Firearms staff and customers alike are concerned with your safety and ability to shoot well, and that comes from the sense of community that they foster at their shop. The staff doesn't work on commissions from sales, so there won't be any pressure to buy what you don't need. They host events like Ladies' Night every first Friday and a tactical fun night every third Friday because they value their community and they understand that selling the most expensive product doesn't help you learn to shoot. Your money goes further at Franktown because they'd rather you to be self-sufficient with what you already own and be proficient in using it. If you're looking for a range and shop that can take you to the next level in your self-defense training, learn how to shoot in realistic scenarios from instructors who have been there, done that. Then look no further than Franktown Firearms. Go to klzradio.com slash franktown. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. Well, welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Bradley Beck, and I'm hosting instead of uh, Kim today. She's out traveling, and I have a good fortune to have on the line with me, the great Jeffrey Gittimer. Jeffrey, we kind of left it, uh, the, the last little segment there talking about uh, your support and your uh, promotion of capitalism by uh, being a free marketeer and understanding that uh, freedom over force idea and that uh, it's the only moral system that we have out there by uh, allowing people more freedom to, to pursue their happiness. Well, it's the only system that allows you to fly first class for <laughs> your ability to buy a ticket. Exactly. Uh, you know, one of the things that you have done over the years in your writing is it inspired me to not only read but understand and then implement and try to get to that point of mastery where I understand but I actually can utilize what you're you're teaching. And a lot of people just read and they go, oh, I'm done. And you challenge people to say to themselves, how good am I at that? And case in point is your little gold book of yes attitude. Let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that because it really applies to everybody and anybody in life and in business. 
So let's start with a book. Let's start with Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. In 1972, when I was first learning the science of selling, I met with five guys every morning and we reported on one chapter of the book every day for one year. So there's only 15 chapters in the book. Obviously, I'm reading the book more than a dozen times in that, in that, year's, in that space of time. And that's how you get to understand the book, and that's how you get to implement the book. And my belief is that if you love a book, if you love um, Good to Great or you love The Little Red Book of Selling, if you haven't read it a half a dozen times, you don't get it. Read and reread so that you understand. Harvey McKay, my other dad, says, don't read a book, study it. That's great. And he's... He's absolutely correct in his, in his process. And you think about the books that you've read more than once. Those are the ones you talk about. Those are the ones you identify with. So your second reading of Atlas Shrugged or your third reading of Atlas Shrugged will bring you new understanding. So I read with either a highlighter or a red pen, unless, of course, it's a science first edition and then I just read. But... I want to mark the book up to a point where I know what I need to understand. I know what I need to think about, to implement. And when you underline it, you actually understand it better. It stops your, your flow of reading and you concentrate on those sentences or those paragraphs that cause you to think in a new direction. Probably the best example I can give you is the Michael Mahalko book called Thinker Toys. That's like Tinker Toys with an H. It's a book on creativity. And I was forced, literally, to stop at every page and underline or highlight something, put ideas in the, in the margins of the book, then go back and reread it. That book is amazing because there's an exercise that I've used over and over called Scamper. And it's just mind-blowing because it gets you to think in a way that, how do I implement these ideas? Yep. And uh, yep. you're always implementing things. I mean, just in the opening of the Little Gold book, you have a quote here by the great Earl Nightingale that says, you become what you think about all day. And most people would say that's a great quote. But you go one step further and you talk about it's your thoughts behind your words you speak that create your attitude. You actually take it and put it in your own words. What is your process for doing that, Jeffrey? Well, I think about things a lot deeper, I think, than most people do. I, I think about it in terms of me and how I can make myself better. And then I think about the messages that I convey to other people on a daily basis and how can I make that better. So I'm double thinking when most people are simply thinking about me, me, me. I don't think, I do think about me, 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 but I think about me first so that I can help others second. And when you do that, it creates a deeper, more actionable thought process. Like how can I use this? And then how can I help other people by using this? And so you take the, the thought by itself for whatever it is, your desire thought, your belief thought, and then you manifest it out into the world in the form of now you can go out on, on Instagram or Twitter or uh, Facebook and, you know, literally post your message. You can make a video about it and put it up on YouTube. And so when you do, when you multiply your messages, you increase your chances for mastery. And that's by paying attention, having your antennas up, being aware of the world, observing, writing things down, studying, yeah. 
implementing yeah. them. Yeah, and getting better what you want that you have a passion for. So I'm going to share a secret with you. I talk to everyone. I don't care if I'm in the aisle of the grocery store or I'm standing on line at the Starbucks or I'm on an airplane and the guy next to me is, you know, reading some stupid book. I talk to everybody no matter what. And that allows me to have a greater understanding of people in general. Some people are angry. Some people are happy. Some people are Democrats. Some people are Republicans. And some people don't know what they are. But I have found that by engaging them, I automatically find an ability to identify something that I've learned. Uh, the other day I was in my Monday restaurant, Loopy's, where I have meatloaf and real mashed potatoes. And I'm with a client of mine, and these four guys walk in, and they sit down, and they're all skinny. You don't see four skinny guys walking into a place anymore. <laughs> they're all pretty much overweight. So I, I said to my, my client, I said, watch this. I walk over to the um, table and I go, congratulations, you're the skinniest people in the place and I just wanna make sure that you understand that I'm giving you this award today. And they're laughing and we're engaging each other. So I said, you guys must be like doctors or something. They go, no, no, we're architects. Oh, architects, the fountainhead. So now I have something really deep to talk about them. I said, you know, everyone's read the Fountainhead, correct? Every architect has read the Fountainhead? Oh, yeah. And then I equated it to one of my customers who's trying to get in to see architects, and I told them to send a mug that says Howard Rourke left, which is the opening line from the Fountainhead. And we talked for 15 minutes about life. And these are people that I never met before. I gave them my card and said, look, I'm selling my property here in Charlotte. I want to buy a, a, a big factory, and I need to redesign it. Maybe you could be my redesigner. Oh, yeah, okay. That's, and then I walked out. <laughs> it's amazing what you can do with strangers if you decide you're just going to talk. And you approached the whole situation with humor. And you, oh, totally. You're one of the yeah. few people that take humor seriously, have studied it, and know that laughter is the best medicine, but it's really the medicine, and it, it unifies people. Principally, Little Red Book of Selling. If you can make them laugh, you can make them buy. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, we talk in this program all the time of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. And selling the idea of liberty and freedom and to be a free market person, to understand that without production, you can't have consumption. And you understand it through your books and you sell that message, but you do it in a different way for business people. Right. Nothing happens until a sale is made. Absolutely. Red Motley, I think, 1946, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Well, you've had the good, good fortune of, of learning from some of the best. Who have been your mentors, Jeffrey, and, and what did you take away from that relationship of mentorship? Well, I would say that my dad was probably my biggest mentor, just in terms of the reality of life. Um, in 1974, he taught me the secret of inflation. He said, son, earn more money. <laughs> Okie dokie. <laughs> yeah, and it, Why are you griping about shit when you can actually do something about it? Right, right. And action um, is so important. People, they'll study it and they'll ready aim, 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 and they never pull the trigger. Yeah. My book mentors have been obviously Napoleon Hill, Dale Carnegie, Earl Nightingale, and those kinds of people. But unknown sales guys like Elmer Letterman, 
um, have helped me significantly. And the Napoleon Hill book of How to Sell Your Way Through Life has helped me significantly. Those are mentors. Those are people that I never met, but wish I did. You know, then most of them passed before I was of age. Um, but my, my living mentors, guys like Harvey McKay, are constantly, like I talk to Harvey once a week, minimum. And I've done that for the past 30 years. Think about that. And what do you learn in those little clips? What do you learn in those little things? Uh, uh, it's, you, you cannot describe it. And, of course, some of my mentors have passed. They were older people, and they're, they're no longer here. But I keep their wisdom. And that's so and important. That's, yeah. That, that attitude of gratitude that you transfer to people. You're grateful. You build relationships. You have fun. And you do all that it takes to give value first. And that's something that's a rare commodity today. I agree. It's mostly, mostly misunderstood. Most people give to get. Yep. I give to give. Big difference. Uh, and I love your philosophy, which is uh, give value first, help other people, strive to be the best, love what you do, establish yeah. your long-term relationships with everybody, and have fun. And you do it every day. There's no holiday in Correct. it. Correct. Well, every day is a holiday if you do it right. And you're your own Santa Claus. You know, it's it's Santa Claus time of the year now, and I make a list of people that i got to buy things for, and then I go out. To any, any, this year, I went to the mall in, in Charlotte, and I bought something big for myself. The hell with everybody else. I'm Santa Claus. There you and go. And I'm selfish about it. And I, so I spend a ton of money on myself. Then whatever's left over, I, I buy other people's stuff. <laughs> Boy, does that sound to That's beautiful. Um, yeah. But the challenge is this. I'm going to have fun. Yes, I buy stuff for my daughters. Yes, I buy stuff for my granddaughter. And this year, I got to buy stuff for my great granddaughter. So I got nine female siblings that I have to make sure are are well taken care of. But I'll tell you, the first person I take care of is me. That's right. Well, think Jeffrey, that, Santa Claus. It, it's a pleasure to have you on. We appreciate it. Thanks okay. so much. And you have a wonderful Christmas, Hanukkah, and just a successful 2024. We appreciate it. I'll do my best. You guys do the same. Thank you, sir. And we're going to end our show with the end of the show quote. A positive attitude, a yes attitude isn't just something you have. A positive attitude is a yes attitude. is something you share with someone, someone you really love. So tonight when you sit around the dinner table and share your yes attitude with someone, make sure we're, it's someone you really love. Friends, be grateful. Read great books. Think great thoughts. Listen to beautiful music. Communicate and listen well. Live honestly and authentically. Strive for high ideas. And like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you're not alone. God bless you. God bless America. We'll be back for hour two. The views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country Station. It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. The socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water, what it means is that government controls it through rules and regulations. The latest in politics and world affairs. 
Under this guise of bipartisanship and nonpartisanship, it's actually tapping down the truth. Today's current opinions and ideas. On an equal field in the battle of ideas, mistruths and misconceptions is getting us into a world of hurt. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. And the voice you hear is Bradley Beck. It is not Kim Munson. She's out traveling, and I have the good fortune of sitting in for her today and being the host of this wonderful program. I'm the co-founder of Liberty Toastmasters, a husband, a father, a grandfather. I have three beautiful granddaughters that call me Grand Brad, and I'm a small businessman here in Colorado. And I want to say uh, good morning to Joe, who is the producer here, keeps us on track and uh, keeps us moving forward. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing fantastic. How are you, Brad? I'm doing unbelievable. It's a great day, and always love being here at the uh, beautiful Crawford Broadcasting and looking over at the uh, sun coming up. It's a great day in Colorado. Absolutely agree. And in studio with me is my friend and a mentor, Dave Walden. And Dave and I share uh, a love of books and a love of ideas. And uh, we get a chance to discuss these things over uh, an adult beverage and uh, cigar and talk about life. Dave, welcome. We do indeed share those values, Brad. And uh, I cherish those times we spend together on your porch when weather permitting, yeah, <laughs> uh, to drink uh, our favorite drink and smoke one of our favorite cigars. It's a, it's a wonderful part of a wonderful life. You know, I often say to everyone, no matter what their frame of mind is, we were born in the best of places in the best of times, in spite of what uh, others would lead us to believe. So uh, thanks for reminding me of what I do cherish and love about these times in this place well we're always looking for the good and the true and the beautiful and i think not enough people take the time to do that to you know life is busy life is hectic if you've got children and you travel for business or whatever you do in your your day-to-day but you need to take time to reflect and we just had jeffrey gittimer on my business guru and i love jeffrey's attitude about life his book the little gold book of yes attitude and he talks about things that a lot of people think about but they don't reflect all the time. And I think we need a little bit more reflection in these times. We do indeed. And uh, unfortunately, for whatever reasons, uh, the reflection that we uh, led to reflect on by academia any longer is uh, not, are not the ideas that uh, were bequeathed to us by our founders as far as uh, politics and what we ought to do with our lives and what what is possible to do and so forth in freedom. So we'll have to discover those things on our own. And of course, you and I have done that, continue to do that, and we'll probably do that to our last breath. Well, we will, and and we'll have a deeper conversation coming up in segments three and four, (laughs) and I look forward to that. And, uh, you know, we are with the Kim Munson Show today, and and it's brought to you by some wonderful sponsors. And Kim's website is KimMonson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. You can sign up for her weekly email newsletter and get the first, first look at all her upcoming guests and as well as her most recent essays, and I have the good fortune of writing an essay for Kim once a month. You can always email Kim at KimMunson.com. And thank you to the Harris family for their gold sponsorship of the show. And thank you to the National Sporting Sh- uh, Shooting Sports Foundation. And they're a wonderful organization. They're a gold sponsor. 
And also, we'd like to thank Janssen Photography for the uh, wonderful photography that they have done for Kim. They're local, uh, located in Lakewood, Colorado. And they spash, uh, my tongue is rented this morning. They specialize in family portraits, portraits of children, senior portraits, professional portraits for your business. and get that important headshot or even for your political career. And you can find out more at JansenPhotography.com. So, Dave, we, we had a word of the day, and I think Jeffrey kicked it off wonderfully with the word of the day being attitude. And that's a manner of thinking or feeling or behaving that reflects a state of mind or a disposition. And used in a sentence, it's your thoughts behind your words you speak that create your attitude. And that's from Jeffrey Gittimer. What are your thoughts? My thoughts. Well, I could not agree more. Uh, what you choose to think about uh, reflects in what you say, but also in how you conduct yourselves. You know, thoughts lead to actions. And uh, an ad- advice I always have for my fellow uh, lovers of the works of Ayn Rand is, you know, if a, if a picture is worth a thousand words... An example is worth 10,000. So set a good example. And the best way to do that is to think before you speak, and then when you speak, have it reflect your deepest and most powerful thoughts. Uh, It comes across. Others can sense it and see it, and it's powerful, far more powerful than just a few words wisely chosen. Well, and we're seeing that reflected in what's happening on our local college campuses with words and how they're impacting people. And uh, that's one of the headlines that's come up today. Before we get into that, I want to do the quote of the day from from Jeffrey. And he was born in West Palm Beach, Florida, but he grew up in Philadelphia, New Jersey. And he's an American salesperson, an author, a speaker. He writes and he lectures and he talks about customer loyalty and personal development. And he's written over 17 plus books. And his most successful title, you might recognize The Little Red Book of Selling, sold over 5 million copies, and it's been translated into 14 languages. And he publishes a free weekly uh, email online magazine and easing called Sells Caffeine and a podcast, Sell or Die, so you can hear him on that. And he's a Hall of Fame speaker from the National Speakers Association. He said, quote, people are cocky and arrogant and say, I know that. And then they move along. But people who are confident and positive ask themselves, how good am I at that? And then they seek to improve. So uh, a significant quote by Jeffrey, and uh, we had a great conversation earlier. And uh, it's amazing that uh, we got him to, to spend some time with us and talk and share a little bit of his wisdom. Yeah, very interesting guy. I, I have to admit, compared to what you know about him, I was largely unaware of Jeffrey. And of course, thank you for the book you gave me, Brad. I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it. That's his little gold book of Yes Attitude. Little gold book of Yes Attitude. And he's got a whole series, and they're just brilliant. And they're not just about business, but they're about life and building relationships and dealing with people day to day, and they can be used by anybody. So I'm a big believer of Jeffrey. And uh, actually, he has a, uh, I failed to mention it, a uh, uh, workshop coming up in Charlotte coming up in January and go to his website bygittimer.com and uh, look it up but uh, it's well worth the time a three-day sales workshop coming up in Charlotte North Carolina 
our uh, our day in history today believe it or not the infamous pilgrims landed on plymouth rock in 1620 and i've been there and seen the rock and it's kind of gotten smaller over time and they've got it in a cage so people don't jump on it or steal it but i, I too have seen it I, I grew up in rhode island very close very close and like i said last hour i'm always amazed that they arrived at plymouth rock just after Thanksgiving. You know, <laughs> thank goodness the the native peoples were there to help them along and, and to celebrate life and, and be thankful and the blessings of liberty, uh, which was not a, a, an initial thing. Plymouth Plantation was uh, a socialist colony for uh, a while. And well, you, you're, you're getting into my wheelhouse, Brad. <laughs> uh, if you study history... You're, talked, you're told about the pilgrims, their perilous voyage, and their Mayflower compact. And when you begin to delve into what that compact was, is it was a, it was a contract of socialism. And it, nearly, it resulted in the pilgrims nearly perishing. Uh, I think half of them died the first year from starvation, a disease, and so forth. And it wasn't until the governor, Bradford, um, said, hey, it's out, we, and we'll let people own their own gardens and so forth. So I'm, I'm, that's enough. I'll let you get it. Well, well, we'll, we'll talk more about that, and uh, we'll be right back. And I'm talking with Roger Mangan with the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Agency. And question, life insurance. What, what should people know about that, Roger? Well, first of all, there are a lot of life insurance companies out there, and you want to make sure you're dealing with those that are AAA rated, that have strong balance sheets, that aren't selling you a discounted premium and maybe not have the ability to process the claim in a way that you need it at the time you need it. So quality is very important when you buy a life insurance policy. Who needs it and why? How much should I buy and what kind should I have? Those are the questions that you have to answer. Obviously, if you have a family, you should have life insurance, and it's different for each family. There are generally five things to consider. Uh, do I have enough money to pay off my mortgage? Let's say it's $400,000 on the mortgage. Uh, the other question is, do I want to be able to replace my future income should I not get home from work today, if you take 60000 a year for 30 years, that means you have the ability to earn about $2.1 million over your lifetime. I would suggest at least five years of that $60,000 income or 300000 So first of all, 400 for the mortgage, 300 for income replacement. Let's say you have two children and you put $40,000 in a fund to help them pay for their college or trade school, totaling $80,000, 40 for each child. If they're five years old and they, you know, when you pass, the $80,000 is invested at 5%, it would grow to about $151,000 for a college education. Then uncovered medical expenses is another consideration if you should not come home from work today. And what does that mean? Final expenses include burial costs, uh, assumes extended illness or prolonged uncovered hospital stays. And then lastly, you would want enough in a policy to eliminate current debt 
could be cars, credit cards, college loans. And let's guesstimate 75000 for that number. And for uncovered medical expenses, maybe 100000 All these add up to 955000 Big number. Sounds overwhelming, but just think of how overwhelmed your family would be if the primary breadwinner was no longer here. And most folks have some life insurance for their employer one to one and a half times their salary that is provided. So let's say 90000 If you can buy life insurance, group term life insurance from your employer, I would buy all I could get because it's heavily discounted and very inexpensive. So you would subtract whatever that number is from your 955000 which in my math right now with this example would be about 290000 of life insurance, bringing your need down to six sixty-five. Still a big number, so what do you do? What kind of insurance do you buy? That would be something we'll discuss in the next segment. Okay, very good. And I'm talking with Roger Mangan. He has been in business for 47 years, taking care of his family, serving his community, giving back to his community. And uh, he and his team strive for excellence. They are true pros. So like a good neighbor, the Roger Mangan team is there. You can reach them at 303-795-8855. That's 303-795-8855. With the limited number of homes in the Colorado Front Range market, Karen Levine can help you achieve your home buying or selling vision. Karen has the right connections, technology, and strategies to help you buy or sell your home or to purchase a new build. Whether you're feeling overwhelmed or want someone to take the wheel, or you just need a second opinion, you can rest assured that REMAX Realtor Karen Levine is the right agent for you. Call Karen Levine at 303 877 7516. Karen is the trusted professional who strives for excellence. That number is 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Well, welcome back to the Kim Munson Program. I'm Bradley Beck, and I'm pleased to sit in for Kim today, who's traveling. And it's always a privilege and a, and a pleasure to be here at the beautiful uh, Crawford Broadcasting and producer Joe behind the uh, glass there and always keeping us straight. And my good friend Dave Walden is in studio. He's a fellow Toastmaster and a mentor of mine, and we're going to talk a little bit about mentoring here coming up. But uh, before we do, I want to remind everybody that they can go to Kim's website at kimmunson.com, sign up for her weekly email newsletter. You'll get the first look at all the upcoming guests as well as their most recent essays. And always feel free to email Kim at kim at kimmunson, that's M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Thank you for all of your support. Kim's show is an independent voice exercising our right from for freedom of speech, freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If it's something you have to coerce people to do, it is not freedom. So uh, we should all also put on our bucket list to go down to Pueblo, the center of American values located there on the beautiful river walk. And Dave, I don't know if you've been there, but we should probably take a journey down there because Colorado is fortunate to have four Medal of Honor winners. The Center of American Values was co-founded by Medal of Honor recipient Drew Dix and Emmy Award-winning documentary maker Brad Padula. And the center's focused on honor 
and the recipients uh, teach and uphold the principles of America, of honor, integrity, and patriotism. So for more information, check out their website at AmericanValueCenter.org. That's AmericanValueCenter.org. And there's a great book that Kim always gets quotes out of there by the Medal of Honor recipients. And it's really worth uh, taking a look at because I've had a chance to look at it. And some wonderful quotes, Dave. And you serve, so thank you for your service. Well, yes, I serve, but I always make a distinction. Uh, I didn't uh, see any combat or be involved in any way. The closest I can possibly say it is, uh, uh, the 509th Bomb Wing, of which I was a, uh, a member of the A&E squadron, uh, that squadron, well, that bomb wing was transferred to Guam in 65 to begin the high-altitude bombing of Laos and Cambodia, but I wasn't involved in that. So I always try to make a distinction between, yes, I served, but uh, the, those who served and put their life on the line, uh, I don't. I don't join uh, or make any pretense about joining that. Well, but you supported the folks that were forward, and and everybody needs that support team, that uh, supply chain. And uh, it's important to to realize that, that you had a supply chain. Many a battle, many a war was lost because there was not that uh, uh, group of people supporting behind. That's true, and it's important to remember that uh, during World War II, the United States, America— uh, saved the world because of the arsenal of democracy. We could outproduce the entire rest of the world together and supplied all the combatants, uh, in the case of World War II, Russia, we supplied them to help fight the Nazis. Yeah, and isn't it amazing that most people don't understand that capitalism is the only moral, social, economic system because it protects the rights of the individual and that the source of all wealth is the mind, and production precedes consumption. It does indeed. All those things help us be who we are. And even with all the acrimony that's going on in our world today, I look around at this beautiful Colorado skyline and the purple mountain majesties and the snow on the hills and think, gosh, aren't we lucky to be Americans? Best of times and the best of places. Absolutely. You know, what we are allowed because of what we take for granted to take for granted is is incredible. Uh, the rest of the world cannot take the things for granted that we do. And that's one of my lessons that I always try and convey to the younger ones coming up after us, that uh, you need to understand why uh, you are able to take for granted the life that you are. Um, it's incredible. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because when I grew up, and I'm a last end of the, the baby boomer, boomer age, you're a little bit older, and we flip a switch on, the light comes on, and we turn a tap and the water comes out, and uh, when we have to relieve ourselves, we have restrooms. And I say all this because our grandparents had a different experience, and the people before them had a different experience, much harder. And around 1776, something happened. And the freedom of ideas and the freedom to pursue one's happiness, uh, Adam Smith and the the unseen hand, and, uh, you know, invention. People got to do things that they never were able to do anywhere else in the world at the time. The New World uh, introduced those who chose to come to it 
to what was possible if they would just be left alone, whether it be left alone from the Indians or the king and crown, whatever, or each other, uh, what was possible. And I often make the point when I think it needs to be made that the real revolution that occurred is not the war that freed us from the king and crown. It's the revolution that's described in Jefferson's Declaration, uh, specifically the reasons why each of us indeed should be born and are born politically equal, and we have a right to our own life and uh, pursuit of happiness. And that heritage bequeathed to us is res has resulted in what we are able to take for granted. And we are in the process, in my opinion, of compromising it and it, at risk of losing it. You remind me of uh, Lincoln's uh, speech that they found after he died. It was stuck in his desk drawer, and I don't think he ever said it, but he wrote it down, and it was the apple of gold uh, protected by the frame of silver and the Declaration being the apple gold and the frame of silver being the Constitution, which is the rule book. But the most important line to me in that little document that you can look up uh, online called the Fragments of the Constitution, he said, beware of the points of danger. And Ronald Reagan said it many years later of we're one generation away from losing it all if we don't study it, understand it, and understand the points of danger. I, I often make the make the point, again, when it's appropriate, that you will not find the word rights in the Constitution, except within the Bill of Rights. Uh, the Roberts Rules of Order that were designed and debated and adopted for governing the otherwise 13 separate colonies, uh, it does not contain rights. And it was only in the Bill of Rights, which amounts to, uh, if you read your history, kind of an afterthought to assure that the states, the colonies, would ratify the Constitution. The real meat of the ideas of our revolution are to be found in Jefferson's Declaration. And one of the things that you and I both do every year is we, we pull it out and read it just to remind ourselves of those freedoms. And to me, that's probably the most important document that we have. A lot of people point to the Constitution, but without the philosophical framework, uh, it's almost meaningless. It's a, it's a piece of parchment. Yet we wrote it down, or at least the founders did. And what's even more fascinating is we had debates in the various houses to talk about these things. And then the Federalist Papers came out to support the idea of a a stronger central government, which today sometimes I question uh, the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists and reading those papers, but it, it's something that I think more people need to understand. They do. Uh, alas, you, you're, you're likely to only understand it if you, if you yourself investigate and read. I'll share an opinion with you, Brad, that, that uh, is my opinion, and I'm in the process of of writing a book where I expand on it, among, among other things, and that's this. When, when the war was over and the colonies had won their liberty from, from the king and crown, they all went home because the war was over. They had won their independence. But lurking within their ranks, house, homes, institutions, 
lurked the means for the destruction of their, what they had achieved. And they would discover that less than 10 years because the Constitutional Convention was called. And I know we're pressed for time, but what happened in that convention bears understanding. Let's talk about that when we come back, and we'll have more information and talk with my friend Dave Walden. If you are 62 or older, a reverse mortgage could be a great tool regarding retirement and estate planning. It is essential to understand the process. Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial Group has nearly 20 years in the mortgage industry and has the experience to answer your questions. Lauren understands that each financial transaction is personal. If you'd like to explore your options on a reverse mortgage, remodel your home, buy a rental property, or move, call Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Licensed in 49 states, Kim Monson highly recommends Lauren Levy for all your mortgage needs. Call Lauren at 303-880-8881. Focused and wise marketing is essential for your success, especially during tough economic times. If you love the Kim Munson Show, strive for excellence and understand the importance of engaging in the battle of ideas that is raging in America. Then talk with Kim about partnership, sponsorship opportunities. Email Kim at KimMunson.com. Kim focuses on creating relationships with individuals and businesses that are tops in their fields. So they are the trusted experts listeners turn to when looking for products or services. Kim personally endorses each of her sponsors. Again, reach out to Kim at KimMunson.com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson program. This is Bradley Beck filling in and hosting this wonderful opportunity to be here with you. And in studio with me is my friend Dave Walden from Liberty Toastmasters and a mentor of mine. And we'll talk about mentorship in a moment. But uh, before we do, you should go to Kim Munson's website at KimMunson.com. Sign up for a weekly email newsletter. You'll get the first look at all the upcoming guests and the essays that are there. And I have the fortune, good fortune of uh, writing for Kim once a month, so make sure you look that up. And you can always contact Kim at KimMonson.com, M-O-N-S-O-N. And thank you for all that uh, you do to listen and support our independent voice for exercising the right of freedom of speech. And through all of Kim's work with veterans, she's honored to highlight the USMC Memorial Foundation, which is right over there in Golden. And I would encourage you to take a look at it and, and look go to uh, Six and Colfax. Paula Saros, who is the president and found, uh, founder of that organization, she's a Marine veteran herself, a Gold Star wife. And Paula and her team are working diligently to bring the, and remodel that uh, USMC Memorial back to reality so you can help by donating at usmcmemorialfoundation.org and check them out and definitely support them and support all the good work that kim munson does i know from liberty toastmasters dave you and i and our clubs sponsor kim and it's a it's an honor to do so because we have this independent voice that we get to share ideas on indeed we do and and i look forward to this uh Every time we have Toastmasters on, because I look forward to new faces coming to Toastmasters to, to learn what I have learned. And what have you learned, Dave? <laughs> I learned to get on my feet with confidence. Uh, in my career at IBM, I was at times called upon to address a group or a meeting, but I was always terrified to do so, right up until uh, I met you. And then uh, when I got to 
joined Toastmasters and began to speak, which is now 10 years ago, um, that terror and lack of confidence has completely disappeared. And I feel I'm capable of getting in front of any group, large or small, and talking about any particular subject and, and uh, feel entirely confident to do that. Well, you know, you, you bring up a good point because when I first started, like you, I was fearful, but I was in business and I traveled quite a bit and I would make presentations to clients and customers all over the West Coast, but I'd be home for a week or two and I'd feel rusty. And before I went back out, I thought, gosh, I've got to gotta get better at this because I wasn't getting the response I wanted. And I found a Toastmasters club from my wife's chamber of commerce at the time she worked uh, for the Broomfield Chamber and they started the Chamber Ad Liberators and I was a charter member of that group from in 2005 and got a chance to practice my skills and learn the oral communication leadership skills development program and one of the things I found Dave that really helped me was it's people come for the speaking to get better oral communication, but they always leave being better listeners. I agree completely. Listening is is an underrated uh, virtue. Um, I remember when I volunteered in 2010 to to help the candidate, uh, Stephen, who's probably listening in Texas right now, um, as he ran to unseat uh, uh, Polis, Governor Polis, from CD2, I would address, you know, Stephen couldn't be everywhere at once, and he'd have to be at some place but want to be at another that he couldn't, and I would fill in occasionally for him. And he didn't know it at the time, but I was terrified to do that. Uh, but I kept getting rave reviews. Stephen would get feedback that they, oh, yeah, Dave was really good, and so forth. And I said, geez, if they only understood how terrified <laughs> I was. <laughs> but I'm no longer that. Thanks well, you know, it's funny because uh, I, too, was working on a candidate, uh, uh, candidacy, Don Beasley, who helped uh, flip Colorado back to being uh, a little bit sane for two years. And happy belated birthday to Don. And I, I know we have folks listening, listening in Texas because Susan Kochevar texts me during our break. So hello to Texas. But it was a wonderful experience, and you did get a chance to talk to people and listen to people and report back to the candidate and get the idea that this is a representative republic. It's not a democracy, and people have a chance to vote people in, and if they're not doing their job, you can vote them out. And there is hope that every cycle there is an opportunity to change things. And I think we need to bring that more to politics. Well, again, another thing I always try to point out to people is that politics is the end result of a causal chain that begins with morality. It's the ideas that you think are good, proper, just, and we all ought to live by. And those ideas tend to be codified in law. So the culture that's created by whatever the embrace of morality is, leads to the pol- politics that we have and have to live under. So I, I always try to point out that if you want to change the politics, you have to first change the ideas of what is just, right, good, and conversely bad. Uh, when you discover and do that and focus on that, 
eventually that is what leads to the political system that you're under. So, you know, we were talking before uh, about the founding and the fact that once uh, Cornwallis surrendered to Washington at Yorktown and the revolution was over, everyone went home. But within less than a decade, Washington was convinced another constitution or another convention of states needed, be, needed to be called because some of the colonies were, were not only wanting to leave the, the Union, uh, if you will, but some of them wanted to actually return to the king and crown in governance. And there was some that didn't care one way or the other, I guess. But the bottom line is, is that all was not well in these 13 colonies that had just won their independence less than a decade previously. And so they called uh, for another convention of states and they gathered in Philadelphia. And I always point out that yes, there were specific problems that needed to be addressed. Probably heading the political list is taxation. How could the, the combined government be financed and the states give up some of their revenue potential and, and turn it over to the federal government. Yes, that was a problem. Uh, other problems were commerce. Uh, the states were erecting all kinds of laws uh, directed at those not in their state, but at those businesses and enterprises outside their states. So these things needed to be addressed. But the underlying concern and I wish uh, Tom was here to, to confirm what Tom Cranwetter is. Yeah. yeah, is they were concerned over sovereignty. How much of the thirteen individual sovereign colonies? How much of that sovereignty were they willing to surrender to the envisioned new federal government? And that was their overriding concern. How much would they lose? and have to grant to the federal government. And my idea is, is they weren't going in the wrong direction because Jefferson's declaration was one of individual sovereignty. And they instead never considered that in that constitutional convention. The closest they came is the Bill of Rights. Well, it's interesting you say that because as I look at the founding, this was an exceptional and is an exceptional nation because it was the first country in the world, to my knowledge, that recognized the equal natural rights of all men. And there is so much potential to live that out. Of course, we had the Civil War and the, the founders didn't address the, the big pressing problem at the time, which was slavery. But I'm also reminded that we didn't invent that institution, that terrible institution. We just extended it, and the King of England really extended it. And Jefferson wrote in that magnificent document of the Declaration a whole passage, in fact, the longest passage on the uh, abolition of slavery, and it was debated out. And it was it not was, put in there. It was. Uh, well, I think to the founders' credit, uh, you know, England had been defeated. But they were waiting in the wings for the colonies to destroy themselves, which they would then reappear and take control. And so the founders, to their credit, uh, the leaders understood they had not addressed the slavery issue. Uh, but they wisely struck that out of the Declaration because they knew if they included it, 
that the southern states would never go along with it. Now, we can debate the wisdom and lack of wisdom of that, but I understand why they did it, and the context is important when you're critical of, a, of America and its founding. And yes, there are things to be critical of, but context is always of primary importance. Well, and, and not only context, but the history of the world. I mean, I remember when Tom Cranwitter started his program on slavery. And it was a year-long program that I had the good fortune of, of taking. And then the lockdowns happened, so it was all virtual. But one of the things that Tom allowed me to do was introduce him at the beginning of the first few sessions. And I brought up the point that my people, the Jewish people, were slaves at one time. And uh, so we, we had a toast to freedom, and uh, we celebrate Passover every year, and that's to remind us of the reflection of being in bondage and coming out of that and looking and building a new society, and that's what America was, with the new Jerusalem, the Jerusalem on the hill, as uh, so many of the early preachers of this country talked about, and the fulfillment of that idea of freedom and liberty of the rights of the individual. And we have to continually push on that to get people to remember freedom is not free. There's a cost to it. And one of the things is talking about it. Uh, history to me is such a wonderful subject and, and of such great importance because of the following fact, and that is human nature is timeless. And while people that came before us uh, may not have the knowledge we have about reality or even ourselves, they were just as smart as we were. Same distribution of intelligence and ignorance, although since Gutenberg's press, that, that bell curve is certainly skewed, and it's just like what's happening with the Internet. I, use the, I, I think the Internet is simply a modern manifestation of Gutenberg's press. If we have time to go into that, I'll, I'll be glad to follow that up. We, we do, and we'll go over that in uh, just a few minutes, and we'll come right back and talk about that and, and mentoring and uh, whatever else is on your mind. So look forward to that. A recent report notes that the number of children diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder is consistently and dramatically increasing. This is heartbreaking. If your child or grandchild or someone you know has been diagnosed with autism or ADHD following exposure to Tylenol or acetaminophen during pregnancy, call Boson Law at 303-999-9999. Boson Law is a Colorado-based law firm who has been fighting Big Pharma for over 20 years. Call now at 303-999-9999 for a free, no-obligation review of your potential claim. Call now at 303-999-9999. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Springtown Firearms staff and customers alike are concerned with your safety and ability to shoot well, and that comes from the sense of community that they foster at their shop. The staff doesn't work on commissions from sales, so there won't be any pressure to buy what you don't need. 
They host events like Ladies' Night every first Friday and a tactical fun night every third Friday because they value their community and they understand that selling the most expensive product doesn't help you learn to shoot. Your money goes further at Franktown because they'd rather you to be self-sufficient with what you already own and be proficient in using it. If you're looking for a range and shop that can take you to the next level in your self-defense training, learn how to shoot in realistic scenarios from instructors who have been there, done that. Then look no further than Franktown Firearms. Go to klzradio.com slash franktown. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. My name is Bradley Beck, and I'm honored to sit in the uh, chair of Kim and be your host today. She's out traveling, and so we uh, are fortunate to be here today in Colorado and to, to be with you for a little bit of your day, so thank you for that. Uh, please go to Kim's website at KimMunson.com. She has all kinds of information there. You can sign up for a weekly email newsletter. You'll get the first look at all the upcoming guests as well as the most recent essays. And I have the good fortune of writing for Kim as well as many of my friends. And we get a chance to uh, express ourselves. And Kim's gracious enough to publish those. You can email Kim at Kim at KimMunson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And in studio with me is my friend and a mentor and a fellow Toastmaster, Dave Walden. And Dave, uh, we have a, a, a lot of things in common. In fact, music is one of our shared things. You were in a band many years ago, and you did uh, R&B and blues. And I was in a country-western band. Uh, I was known as the kosher cowboy. <laughs> Dave, what were you known as? Uh, nothing in particular. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was the bearded, uh, I guess you'd call me the leader of our five-piece uh, blues band. And, uh, of course, we just loved the music that came out of not Motown. I mean, we certainly liked the music of Motown, and that was certainly soul music. But we thought the music coming out of Memphis was the stuff of, of legend and joy. Uh, I remember the, uh, Booker T and the MGs were the, were the studio musicians, and uh, they were the backup behind Otis Redding, Rufus and Carla Thomas, Sam and Dave, Eddie Floyd. I mean, the list is endless, and we could always identify when one of those songs came on the air coming out of Stack Studios in Memphis. Uh, so, yeah, that uh, that's the closest I've been known <laughs> to anything. And uh, you were actually in the studio when uh, Otis Redding recorded uh, When a Man Loves a Woman. It wasn't Otis. Oh, was it? oh that's no. right. Yeah, it's um now my brain's going dead. Who uh, was it? Yes, it was. Uh, well, now you've made my brain go dead. <laughs> yes, but When a Man Loves a Woman was a great song, and he recorded that in uh, the studio at Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Uh, I can't think of his name. Isn't that funny? You know, you get old, and you, ju <laughs> and you just cannot remember like you used to. Anyway. I, I had the good fortune of being in studio for a week with the great Norman Petty, who did all the Buddy oh, Holly sure. stuff. And I was with a country band, country rock band called Rick Tucker and the Good Time Band. And the lead guitarist was uh, Pete Anderson, who became Dwight Yoakam's producer and was on his uh, uh, guitars Cadillac and uh, his number one selling album. And I actually have that original album on the Oak label before it was picked up by a major, uh, I think it was Warner Brothers. Interesting. And Norman said to me one day, he said, Brad, I should record you. I said, Norman, I can't sing. <laughs> and he said, 
don't worry about it. Kinky Friedman can't sing either, but he's got a couple albums and written, and I always remember that. So, you know, if I have one regret in life, I, I could have had a 45 by recorded by Norman Petty. And there's so many of those stories, especially when you're young and don't, you know, think about the future. And the opportunity avails itself right. and uh, wish I had a mentor like you to, to say you should have done that. And, and speaking about mentors, you know, there's been great mentorships and Jeffrey Gittimer, who was our guest in the first hour, uh, talked a little bit about it. There are politicians, uh, Aristotle mentored Alexander the Great, uh, Johann Christian Bach mentored Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi mentored Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> I mean, there have been some great relationships built, and mentorship is so important. And, you know, I feel sorry for some of these young people today because they don't have a mentor. It and seems that way, doesn't it? It does. And there's so much that people can learn from somebody who has experience and can guide them, not give them the answers, but bounce things off of them and let them come to their own conclusion, the adduction rather than the education of individuals to have critical thinking uh, to fail and get back up anyways and a mentor can help yes uh, and and my life changed in 1965 when someone literally threw me across the room a paperback copy of atlas shrugged and admonished me to read it he i think he said you ought to read this who knows you may even like it and I, up until that time, I had read two books. I didn't graduate from high school. Uh, I went right in the military. I went to work before I went to military. So this was the third book I would read. The first two, one was, I think, The House of Seven Gables, which I, I found utterly <laughs> uninteresting, and I didn't like it. But I read Tale of Two Cities, and I liked that one by Dickens. Uh, but Atlas Shrugged awakened my darkened soul and Ayn Rand and her body of work and others uh, like her uh, I, I judge as my first true mentor even though it was impersonal and only through their body of work. Now in addition to that I had two other mentors in life that I got to know uh, one that I met when I started my job at IBM in 1968 uh, and another later at IBM who took me under his wing in the early 80s. And those two people uh, I have learned so much from uh, together with Rand uh, that uh, my life would not be the same without them. Now you had, and you told me the story, of the opportunity to meet Rand once. And uh, tell me and the audience a little bit about that experience because it was a short meeting short meeting um, I'm often at when people find out that I met her and let me tell you the circumstances that she was speaking at the Ford Hall Forum in Boston and uh, my buddy had an airplane I had was getting my pilot's license and we flew up in his plane uh, to attend uh, Rand's lecture at that forum and it was made known that she would sign copies of her books uh, prior or after, I don't remember. So I rushed down to the stage, and I was first in line with my paperback copy of The Fountainhead. And uh, she came to the podium, and uh, I told her, I said, hi, I said, I'm just thrilled to be here. And I handed her my copy, and, and I asked her to dedicate it to my first wife, who at the time, we were having trouble, but I, she was someone I did love. And so she, 
Rand immediately said, no, I don't do that sort of thing, in her heavy accent. And she looked at me, and then I must have showed my disappointment because she said, oh, okay, what would you like me to say? And she did. She signed it and dedicated it to my, to my first wife. And people ask me what was my impression of Rand. And it was brief because this has only lasted a minute or two, right? Um, her eyes, her eyes were intense. But she struck me as being a little girl. She was, I mean, I can't describe why, but it's just that overall impression you get from someone when you see them and watch them and they speak to you and you to them briefly and you're left with some summation of what they were like. And that's the summation I took from meeting Rand. She was like a little girl. And of course, when you read her and you hear her, uh, and you you come to understand her life, you think anything but that. Right. And yet that's exactly what I took away from that. Her childlike qualities. Yes. Which, you know, when you think about it, we all have that, but we were molded into something else at some point, and we don't keep that little spark of curiosity and wonderment. And I think your story illustrates beautifully how important that is because she was a novelist. She wrote about true things, but she novelized them, and that reflection of real life often often comes out best through literature, through ideas. I, my personal opinion is that eventually uh, Rand's work will come to be appreciated by a sufficient number of people to where the politics that flows from her ideals, her philosophy, will become the politics that dominates the world. Now, when I was younger, I thought that would be like next year. <laughs> but, of course, I've grown older and wiser, I think, and I understand that it's, it's possible for each of us, if we're not careful, to simply ignore context, drop context, and believe something entirely not true, when if we'd have given it more thought, we'd have realized it was not true. And I view that with my naivete versus uh, what, is, what it takes to change a culture. And it's a lot more than just a fantastic couple of novels and, and then the nonfiction to back it up. Well, you know, it's interesting because I not too long ago listened to a podcast with Larry Arn from Hillsdale College and Jordan Peterson. And they were talking about the idea of how our institutions have been corrupted uh, especially through the ideas of socialism and, and communism. And he asked Jordan Peterson, how are we going to change things? And he said, you know, we have to go through the longer march of the individual rather than the institution. Oh, that's wonderful. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, and, and it just got me thinking. He gets it. He understands that. So, uh, Dave, we're coming to the end of the show. Uh, you know, I'd like to get your final thoughts, some understanding of uh, of uh, what you've enjoyed today and mentorship and, and just well, our time together. I, I, I think that I'd like to leave with the following message. And I, and I said this to Kim the last time that I was with her. And I've said it to you, and I've said it to others, because it's very easy to become despondent, disillusioned, uh, negative, pessimistic, whatever word you want to use, over what we see going on politically around us. 
And I would say this in response to that. The return to the ideals of our founding, which in fact were the ideals of the Enlightenment, those ideals will be returned to much like someone encounters bankruptcy. They will occur very slowly and then all of a sudden. So try to keep in mind that what is going on almost out of sight, and this station and show is one small example of it, it's, it's occurring and it will occur suddenly when it manifests. Wow. Turn to freedom. Dave, thank you. I, I always uh, appreciate your courage and uh, to say what's on your mind and to have a, a good conversation. So our end of the show quote is from Jeffrey Gittimer, and he said, a positive attitude, a yes attitude, isn't just something you have. A positive attitude is a yes attitude that you can share with someone, someone who you really love. And tonight, when you sit around your dinner table, share your yes attitude with someone that you really love. My friends, today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate well, and live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideas, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. You are not alone, ladies and gentlemen. God bless you, and God bless America. Young, like a new moon rising, fierce, through the rain and lightning, wandering and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.